This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Anif Baharuddin and you're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. In this episode, we're planning to interrogate and look at how architecture is taught in the university and joining me on the show to share his thoughts and experience on the matter is Nazmi Anwar. He has been on the show before to talk about his normal architecture project and more recently, his personal musings on architecture that has been made into a book called Background Frame Platform. Now he's going to put on his lecture hat and share his experience and philosophy in imparting the knowledge that he has to his students. Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Nazmi. Uh, yeah, I teach in, in Taylor's University in both the uh, undergrad and the kind of master's or graduate program. So I've been teaching there since 2014. So that's almost uh, almost eight years now that I've been teaching. And uh, I think about five years of that period has been kind of full-time teaching. Your first question about Teaching, I guess it's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, also, maybe it's kind of linked to family, where there's, there's a lot of people in my family are teachers. Uh, my grandfather was a teacher. Uh, my father was for a long time working in the Ministry of Higher Education. Uh, a lot of my aunts were and some are still are teachers. Two of my brothers are also teaching. So I guess teaching, uh, you know, the act of kind of sharing knowledge I mean, I, I don't want to sound kind of a cliche, but it's kind of in the blood, I guess. Like er, everyone in the family is involved somehow with teaching. And I think myself personally, I've always seen teaching, uh, you know, beyond just being a career, it seemed, you know, kind of a noble thing to do, to teach, uh, to share knowledge, to, to, to kind of experience things, to share experience. But also teaching is for me, is also a form of learning because I think in order to teach, you need to be continuously learning. And I enjoy learning and therefore I feel that, you know, teaching and learning are somehow extensions of one another. Like they are not two separate things. Um, yeah, so what, what I find quite interesting about you is that, I, I mean, you dabble in the architecture industry, right? Or architecture field. Uh, but at the same time, um, you also have a quite a unique take on, on how things should be, I suppose, one way or another. So uh, is that something that you're conscious of? And when it comes to, I guess, teaching your students, is that something that you try to also impart to your student? Like, like, is it difficult to somehow, you know, follow the quote-unquote syllabus and also at the same time try to maybe, I don't know whether you sway, try, you try to sway your students to, I guess, believe in your philosophy, but yeah, how, how do you go about it? Right. Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, it's also kind of a very, I've been asked these questions by different people and it's, it's always a very interesting question. Uh, I think teaching, I mean, when you teach, there are, I guess, several aspects to teaching. I mean, there are, of course, uh, kind of a set of knowledge uh, that you need to kind of communicate to students and that you have to ensure that students are equipped with uh, you know, a certain knowledge set, if you will. And I think for example, I'm teaching in, in the architecture program and let's say in the undergraduate architecture degree, the kind of paramount thing is to equip students with a set of skills that is kind of required of any, uh, you know, anyone who wants to be involved with architecture. And that could be, you know, you know simple tasks such as, well, not simple, but let's say the basic and fundamental task of 
kind of making models and making drawings and understanding and being sensitive to your surrounding. So I guess, and, and I, in a way, because I teach in both the undergraduate and the postgraduate program, I would be, I guess, would answer that question in, in kind of two ways. For me, in the undergraduate program, it's about equipping or, or, or getting the students you know, to understand or to equip them with a, a set of skills. Uh, and that, of course, includes, you know, the basic skills of an architect, but it also involves, let's say, cultivating a critical thinking, uh, cultivating, let's say, looking at things critically. But the, the, the paramount focus is on uh, getting students to be equipped with this set of skills. Uh, once you get into the postgraduate level, you know, let's say the master's level, the students are by and large already kind of equipped uh, with a set of skills because in, in architecture education, in order for you to continue into, in the master's program, you need to spend uh, kind of a minimum of one year uh, working in offices, in, in architectural offices. So students who have, who joins the master program are then students who, are, who, are, who have already acquired a set of skills that would allow them to work uh, as architects. Uh, but I believe that at the postgraduate level, what you're trying to do is to kind of build on the kind of critical thinking and let's say taking position and decision making and things like that are more important than kind of you know, polishing up a set of skills. And I think the question of whether you sway students towards one way or the other is, I don't think I would do that kind of consciously. It's not really, I feel that it's not really the point of a teacher. I mean, some do. I mean, I guess some teachers do tend to kind of uh, indoctrinate or, or, or their students uh, along a certain, you know, point of view or, or, or path. I try not to kind of do that so much, although I do share, uh, you know, my own kind of personal methods, uh, experiences, uh, my own perspective, my own take on things, my own positions. And I believe that the, the postgraduate education is where the students kind of respond to this kind of set of experience and knowledge that you share with them. And hopefully by engaging in, in a kind of a dialogue, in a kind of a conversation, they eventually get to develop their own position and their own take on things. And I think because we are, architecture is a kind of professionally regulated uh, degree where uh, it's, you know, it, it needs to kind of conform to the expectations of the board of architects and, and things like that. Uh, we do try as much as possible to ensure students meet uh, those kind of criteria. But at the same time, it's also about building up, again, that kind of critical point of view towards things and how things are being uh, practiced and what are, what are the effects of kind of current modes of practices on the built environment. And I guess because I also do the, th the thesis studio, the thesis is always interesting because the question is always, is it about kind of indoctrinating students into the kind of status quo? Or is it about getting students to a level of consciousness where where they can start to then question the existing uh, status quo, and uh, I mean personally, I, I feel more obligated to the kind of uh, the second uh, choice, which is kind of you know bringing students into a level of consciousness where they can start to make decisions, where they can start to question uh, the decision of others rather than simply to conform. Um, let's backtrack a bit and I guess explore your experience learning architecture. Uh, what was it like for you, you know, when you you learned it back then? Um, and what was the system like? I mean, for those out there who are not as familiar with, you know, who never learned architecture, yeah, what was the process like? I think whether locally or internationally. 
Yeah. Uh, well, basically, I mean, uh, as a kind of a broad overview of of the of architecture education, basically, uh, in Malaysia, in order to become a, a registered architect, meaning that someone who is kind of professionally recognized as an architect, you have to go through uh, three kind of levels, uh, which which are called part one, part two, and then part three. Uh, so part one is basically the kind of undergraduate degree, uh, which is usually between three to four years. Uh, part two would be the so-called master's or the postgraduate degree where you do another two years after, kind of, uh, you, do, you do three years of part one uh, education and then you go into, uh, you, you have to work for a bit in an office and then you go into the kind of part two education, uh, which is another two years of master's. After which you go out, uh, you work in an office, you start, you know, your logbook and you go towards the part three processes. And the part three is kind of, it's not in uh, school anymore. It's kind of, it's a professional exam taken after you fulfill, uh, you know, a set of requirements in terms of, you know, how many years you need to kind of already work or, or what are the kind of aspects of the profession that you need to cover, etc. So that's basically the kind of a very quick, uh, you know, simplistic overview of architecture education. Uh my own experience of, of learning architecture was, I think, has always been a struggle. Like, I don't think it was kind of an easy course. I still don't think architecture is, is an easy course. But it's also, for me, a course which is kind of rewarding uh, in a way because it's also, I guess, I mean, I'm not sure about other people, but the experience of me kind of going through architecture is not so much because I really want to practice as an architect or I want to be an architect, but I feel that studying architecture uh, opens up doors to other knowledge that you get, you, you learn history, uh, you know, which is something that I've always been interested in, you know, way before architecture. Uh, you learn uh, a bit about, let's say, uh, the, the art world. You learn about, you know, different cultures and you learn about, uh, eventually you learn about your own uh, kind of surroundings and how, to look at the surrounding critically and how to kind of uh, intervene or how to kind of uh, work within that existing built environment. So it, for me, I think the, the architecture education has always been challenging because part of it is trying to formulate a position and trying to formulate or to come to a stage where you you are comfortable or you are you realize the kind of architect that you want to be or the kind of ways of practicing architecture that you want to pursue so for me it has always been a process of discovery it still is i, I feel uh, even teaching architecture now i see it as an extension of learning architecture and it's still a process of discovery it's still a process of searching for for meaning for lack of a better word I, I, and i feel that architecture allows that to uh, happen if you take the if you look at architecture as a kind of serious uh, intellectual uh, cultural endeavor and not just as a kind of a job you know not just as a, as a as work uh, uh, it's 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 for me it's so it's it sets up or it frames the way of look, looking at the world it frames a certain worldview it frames an approach to kind of life uh, and I'm and I'm not kind of generalizing the experience of architecture education for everyone. That was specifically what I got out of it, you know, out of architecture education. Uh, I don't necessarily learn to become, you know, a better architect, but I feel that I I've learned or I've developed to become more critical of things, and that's that has happened through, you know, uh, studying. Uh, teaching architecture, talking about architecture, you know, reading, writing about it. You know.
Mm. I mean, based, based on what you said just now, I feel like you personally have a more, I guess, intellectual approach towards it as well. But in terms of the field itself, does it focus more on the technicalities of things? Like, for example, literally how to design a building or also things that are beyond that as well. For example, you know, how do you create a space? How do you deal with a space, you know? Mm. Uh, well, I mean, I, I feel that, uh, in, in, well, in my opinion, the, 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 the field of architecture in, in Malaysia is still uh, pretty much a kind of a service industry where at the end of the day, you are designing a building uh, to fulfill the needs and the requirements of clients and you have to ensure that the building meets all the those needs and requirements, it meets all the kind of uh, authority requirements, etc. So in Malaysia, I feel that the, the, the field of architecture is still pretty much uh, what you described. It's still pretty much a profession that is geared towards, uh, you know, the design and the uh, you know, documentation, the contractual documentation and the implementation of that contract towards, you know, becoming a building. Yeah, so, so as a short answer, in, in Malaysia, architecture is still pretty much that, you know, the profession of building buildings. Uh, but I feel that today where you can no longer look at, you know, buildings and you can no longer look at, and therefore, you can no longer look at you know, the role of the architect as kind of uh, isolated things. I mean, if you look at you know the way that buildings are you know built in the city, it's very obvious that your decision as an architect to design the building has you know repercussions and impact beyond the boundary of a site. It has an impact you know towards the surrounding. It has an impact towards the rest of the city. It has an impact on the fabric. And I think I feel that you know the, the education of the architect should be somehow made more critical in the sense that it's also about questioning the built environment and not just kind of, you know, always trying to think about, you know, what is the building that is needed? What, what do you design? How do you fulfill, fulfill a need? I mean, on one hand, it's fulfilling a need. On the other hand, there's a, there's a, a, a real role, I think, to question, uh, you know, the way that our built environment is currently being shaped. You know, what, what are the forces that are shaping this built environment? You know, what are the kind of political, economic processes that is leading to the kind of building that is coming up in our cities, which then has an impact on, on everyone, right? So I, I feel that the profession and therefore the education of the architect needs to kind of, you know, uh, expand itself uh, in order to become a more critical uh, field and, in, and and to go beyond this idea of, you know, service industry fulfilling a need, fulfilling a brief. It needs to kind of, you know, go towards perhaps, you know, setting that brief and setting an agenda uh, for the built environment and not just you know, thinking about, you know, designing within a certain plot and just fulfilling, you know, the, and make, making sure a building is built uh, there. I mean, that's what we've been doing, you know, for the longest time. But I feel that the, the, if you look at our cities today, it's obviously being shaped by, you know, buildings. And if you limit yourself to kind of looking within your site and designing that building and fulfilling, you know, clients then it, it, you are missing out on let's say really defining what is the role of the building in the city and how does it contribute or how does it affect uh, the public uh, uh, the rest of the city and therefore the citizens uh, at large That was Nazmi Anwar, a lecturer, sharing his thoughts and experiences teaching architecture. We're going for a short break. More contemplative thoughts after this. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9 you're listening to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city I'm Hanif Baharudin and joining me this week is Nazmi Anwar author and architecture lecturer at Taylor's University we've been talking about his vocation as a lecturer and he's been sharing his experiences and contemplative thoughts on the matter we're going to continue the conversation by looking at the collaboration process between architects and other players in the field I mean, I mean, if you talk about legal processes, of course, the the, the role of the architect uh, as of now is primarily the kind of the person in charge in terms of getting a building built eventually, uh, fulfilling the contract to the client. And of course, uh, legally, that goes through a whole process of uh, approvals and submissions and approvals to various authorities and various regulatory bodies. Uh, the kind of uh, you know uh, what 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 planners do is basically to kind of shape out or map out the. Uh, different kind of zoning, uh, the kind of land uses of the city, how different parts of the city is kind of a zone for a particular uh, function or a particular use, and and what are the kind of bigger qualities that is to be implemented in the cities and things like it, it will there be you know a certain amount of open area, will there be a certain amount of green area, uh, will there be a certain amount of kind of open spaces built in into the kind of city fabric, and that is of course done through. Uh, planning regulations. Uh, for example, if you are designing a building on a site, you know the planning laws determine that you can only build, you know, up to a, a certain amount uh, in terms of you know site coverage and things like that. Meaning that you're supposed to provide uh, open spaces, you're supposed to provide uh, uh, perimeter planting and, and things like that. So you, you cannot you know, build a building all the way to the to the to the edge of your plot and things like that. And that's of course to ensure a kind of uh, uh, you know a- adequate openness within the city, but also is. is safety measures such as firefighting, uh, etc. I mean, that, that would be kind of uh, a very long thing to talk about. Uh, so I think in terms of getting a building built, you have to conform to a lot of kind of planning regulations, all these different authority regulations, uh, which shapes the building within that plot. But I, I feel that as a whole, you know, the way the, where the city is kind of heading is something that needs to involve more discussion at all levels, meaning it's obviously that the city is being shaped not just by the design of architects and planners, but also by, you know, the flow of, of investments, uh, you know, by the flow of capital and by, you know, driven by kind of policies which are, which are favouring certain kinds of development. So I think it's important that everyone is aware what are these forces that is shaping the city? Because sometimes they are invisible to us. You know, we respond to certain you know uh, laws and we respond to certain regulations without kind of fully comprehending what are the forces shaping this regulation, and to what end are we uh, you know by following all this regulation? To what end are we shaping uh, the city? So I feel that there needs to be a kind of a more awareness you know among the, the the people involved and also among the public uh, because the city is being built and its effect is on the people who, who use the city it's on the people who live in the city and it's on the people who go to the city on a daily basis and I think the the, the, the the people who live in the city not just the kind of authorities not just the kind of professionals you know the building industry professionals should also have a, 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 a should be quite conscious of the ways that cities, are, our cities are being shaped, and what is the effect of these things uh, on you know our everyday lives? So I, I think it's it's a like the city is a very complicated thing, and, and it needs the voices of many uh, in order to ensure that it's not kind of developing towards a direction that only favors you know certain groups. Mm, yeah, that's that's an interesting thing, right? Because I think 
I don't know. I mean, I'm just talking randomly here. But like, I think sometimes people have said that, you know, sometimes when it comes to development in the city, we tend to favor only certain parties over, I guess, the proper end users, I suppose. You know, and I'm hinting at perhaps, you know, maybe developers have more say, you know, sometimes authorities have more say with regard to, I guess, developing a certain space for either profit or whatever, right? So, so yeah, how, how do you navigate those things actually? And yeah, how, how do you get, you know, how, how do you even like, I guess, you know, educate your students about these things? Uh, uh, that's a good question because let's say when when we teach students, right, especially at the masters and at the thesis level, we try to uh, get them to uh, not just you know design buildings and, and not just kind of demonstrate that they know how to draw and and how to design, how to think about the technical requirements of a building, but we try to you know have a dialogue with the student on let's say if you look at the built environment that we have now, what are the things that you feel are not being done in a proper way you know what are the things that are not being done in a transparent manner what are the things that are not being done in a way that benefits all citizens right and i think we, what we try to do and of course the it's not something that is easy to do it is is to kind of get the students through their projects to question things you know, to 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 question you know the density of housing for example uh, to question the amount of uh, you know public open space that is provided to question what are the things that you are allowed to do in the public open space in the city. And the aim of kind of, you know, engaging in this kind of discussions with students and, and, and trying to get them to really think very critically and to question uh, all of these aspects of how the built environment is constructed is exactly because these are the students who are going out and who are becoming architects, who are being employed. And, and hopefully, well, the hope, you know, the kind of optimistic Point of view is that once they are in the 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 the, the, the you know the, the working field, they would bring that kind of questioning and criticality, so that projects are not simply seen as you know again fulfilling the requirements or, or the kind of needs of certain user group, but to realize that there's a bigger responsibility not just to your client and not just to the people who are paying you, but to the public at large, right? So what we try to do in in in, in teaching students is to embody. Uh, to get them to equip them with this sense of being critical that you have to always question things uh, and that's how you arrive at really meaningful projects if if you are you know in the masters of architecture program you're doing a thesis project but you are simply you know drawing another version of what is happening you know out there then that's simply demonstrating uh, you know the, the degree to which you are already kind of you know you are already ingrained into you know the system, whereas the aim would be to kind of question uh, the system. The aim would be to kind of take the opportunity of education and doing a kind of academic project, which is somewhat you know conceptual, to use that as an opportunity to question things and to criticize uh, 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 the mode of development uh, that we have now. So, so that is always the kind of challenge uh, in teaching. On the theme of education, I'm quite curious about the question of Malaysian architecture. Have you ever been asked about that by your students? And have you even thought about it? Yeah, what's your own perspective towards, I guess, the question of Malaysian architecture? And yeah, how do you go about, I guess, teaching your students if they were to ask you, what is Malaysian architecture? Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I've never been asked that question, actually. Uh, and I've never, I've not really, personally, I've not really entertained, you know, much thought on, you know, Malaysian architecture or whatever it means. I, I feel that, the more uh, important question to to ask is you know what, what is good architecture you know and I think good architecture uh, in trying to figure out 
good architecture, right? In trying to figure out what is the good that architecture brings to the built environment, uh, what is the good that architecture brings to the city or to the urban fabric, to the experience of people uh, who is using the building or who is merely passing by the building. I feel those kind of questions for me are more important and are more kind of urgent rather than uh, you know talking about or asking the question of what is Malaysian architecture uh, and trying to define what is Malaysian architecture. So yeah, so I feel that trying to you know uh, ask the question of what is good architecture is is more interesting and is kind of food for more thought. But uh, but I mean, since you you brought it up, I think for me, if you talk about Malaysian architecture, uh, it has to be, I guess, reflective of you know of its space and time. It has to be reflective of the qualities of Malaysia as a kind of a you know multi ethnic this kind of melting pot of different culture and different experience and opposing views. And, and of course, uh, uh, so that's the cultural context. And at the same time, I feel that you, the, uh, Malaysian architecture, uh, if you want to talk about that, cannot escape from the fact that we are located in, you know, in, 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 in a tropical region. And, and that is something that needs to be addressed uh, seriously in architecture, not just as, you know, window dressing, you know, when you talk about, oh, it's tropical architecture, therefore you need green or planting on your balcony and, and planting on the roof and trees everywhere on the building. But to ask, really ask the question of, let's say, being in the tropic, you know, what is the tropical uh, you know, lifestyle? What is the habits of people in the tropic? And of course, this is linked back to this whole idea of culture. And how would that be shaping the buildings that we, that we, you know, that we design for our cities? How does a, a tropical city benefit from an all-glass building? How does a tropical city benefit from, you know, having a building with you know, huge air conditioning bills, for example? So I think those are very matter-of-fact, very real situations that we can address with projects. And not so much this kind of high-level uh, you know, high discussion of what is Malaysian architecture, but what is good architecture, uh, what is responsible architecture. And I think if you think about good and responsible architecture, you you know, you will be, you know, guided towards addressing the local context, you know, the space and time of, of Malaysia today. And in responding to that, we, we you know, we, we get closer to something that is real. We get closer to something that belongs in, you know, in, in our built environment here. Yeah. So I, I won't, you know, go into defining what Malaysian architecture should be, but I think that, you know, thinking about good architecture, responsible architecture, what is the effect of architecture on the rest of the city uh, will lead us into you know something which is a bit more i guess sensitive to 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 everyone's uh, needs and everyone's uh, uh, place in the city if you think about you know architecture it's always about designing new things right one way or another right in a very simplistic and relative way i guess as opposed to describe it but how do you go about i guess approaching old buildings you know our you know our heritage that we seem to have a lot here in KL right and I, I think in in doing this show I I have always focused on also talking about our you know older buildings you know our heritage but I'm quite curious to see yeah your perspective on on the matter and how you go about I guess you know talking about preservation when it comes to when it comes to you know architecture yeah well I mean I think that that's a very good point it's a very interesting point and I guess it ties back to your original question on, on, on what does an architect do? Is it, is it just designing buildings? Is it also thinking about space? 
And I think if you are talking about you know heritage building, but not 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 just heritage building, uh, uh, but also existing buildings. Uh, I mean, heritage implies a building of a certain value, right? And and that value could be cultural, uh, that value could be historical. Uh, I would not. I mean, I I don't want to go too much to heritage, but I think when you talk about existing buildings, there are so many buildings that are already there and, and which are empty. Right and and yet at the same time there are still new buildings being built, so I, I guess it goes back to the, your question about what an architect does. And I think if you think about an architect as someone who deals with space, uh, the possibilities of space, the impact of space, then it also means that it's not only about thinking about or conceiving new spaces and new buildings, but it's also about thinking about what to do with existing space. I mean, do we need more buildings or can we do whatever it is that we need to do, you know, uh, by using uh, existing buildings which are unoccupied or which are empty and things like that. So I, I, I think when we talk about a city, right, and if we talk about the availability of space, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to, to know, you know, how much, how much empty buildings or how much empty space that we have in the city and, and, one, uh, what does that point to? You know, why are there all these empty spaces and why are new things being built? And number two is kind of what could be done with all of these spaces? You know, what could this space accommodate? I mean, if you think about architecture simply as a kind of a background frame and platform for things to happen, uh, then you know, all these kind of empty spaces and all these empty buildings are simply waiting for, you know, for things to occupy them, for people to occupy them, and for things to happen within the spaces. And I think uh, that could be a very interesting, you know, area of study for an architect, an area of research, an area of practice even, to kind of, you know, recycle or rethink existing space rather than simply uh, thinking about always building new things. And I think that's also things that we talk about with students where we are dealing with, when you're dealing with architecture, when you're dealing with space, you're dealing with the city, the kind of uh, dream of all architects is always to kind of build new things because you want to leave your mark or whatever. And I feel that kind of dream is a bit old-fashioned and that kind of ambition to you know leave a lasting mark is kind of extremely selfish and old-fashioned. I think the investigation of empty spaces and why they are empty and, and what could happen in the spaces points toward a, a, a perhaps a more rewarding and a more interesting field of practice. You know, then, it, then the practice of architecture is a, again becomes a, a spatial practice that does not even you know need to talk about the form or what the building looks like, but really what can happen uh, within these spaces. So I mean, when, when I was in in in, in Holland, uh, uh, there was this kind of Biennale or an exhibition in, in Rotterdam where a, a, a tall building in the city which has been left empty was taken over during the architecture festival, and a different. Uh, art institutions or different officers were given the task of, let's say, you know, you take one floor and you design and you develop what could happen uh, within each of these floors, right? And then what, what happened was quite interesting because then we start to see, you know, badminton courts on the 15th floor. We start to see camping site uh, on the 10th floor. You start to see, uh, you know, gymnasium uh, 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 on the 11th floor. And then you start to see a floor just filled with plants and gardens. So it's it's trying to point to the fact that there's so much open spaces that there are so many possibilities of utilizing these open spaces. Perhaps it's time that we, you know, take a step back from designing and building new things. Mm. How far away are we from, I guess, thinking about these things a lot more rather than 
you know, being a service industry, like you said, you know, architecture here in Malaysia has always been, I guess, slightly skewed towards being a service industry. So how far away are we? We've got to, yeah, pondering about something that's a bit more abstract, I suppose. I mean, it's difficult to say, uh, you know, because again, you know, the architecture is still seen as this kind of profession. But I mean, I, I feel hopeful in the sense that I see more kind of young architects uh, you know, people who are coming back from abroad or people who are kind of, who are exposed to other ways of practicing and who are trying to see what are the possibilities in the Malaysian context of trying to reformulate the practice away from, you know, what it is now, not necessarily away, but to trying to formulate a sort of an alternative to the kind of uh, mainstream practice of architecture. And these are people who are kind of involved in, you know, like bookmaking or, or involved in, let's say, using architecture to question, uh, uh, you know, social issues or who are kind of uh, developing, uh, you know, uh, uh, magazines or developing platform for uh, discussions around the possibilities of architecture. So I see now more kind of young graduates and young people, you know, grappling with this kind of newer or alternative approach to practice and, and somehow... Uh, that gives me a kind of hope for the future. I mean, the, 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 the hope is that these people eventually, there's enough of a critical mass of people questioning, uh, you know, the status quo and trying to formulate other alternatives that it leads to other more, a more open field where architecture becomes more than just a service industry. Uh, and of course, the hope is that these young people are not, does not become demoralized and then they are kind of absorbed into the system and, you know, the vicious cycle sort of continues. So, so I, I, I hope that, you know, that people who are listening to this, you know, people who are in architecture, people who are trying to figure out what to do in architecture, get together with similar-minded people and start to, you know, brainstorm, start to throw ideas around, start to develop and initiate your own project, projects which question the nature of the profession and what the profession do or what the profession could do, uh, you know, towards the benefit of everyone. Maybe rather than thinking of profit, it's about thinking about common good or common benefit, and how architecture could be something that opens up a way towards uh, that goal. You've been tuning in to I Love KL, and that was Nazmi Anwar, a lecturer at Taylor's University, sharing his experiences teaching architecture. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.